Well, uh, since we did not uh, win the Oscar for Best Live Action Short Film uh, from the many videos that were uh, available for nomination on our YouTube channel, we'll press on with the podcast life here with another edition of Serie Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast uh, of Calcio, told like it is and always at the highest level. Uh, I'm Frank Ravel, your host, along with me, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. I demand a recount. <laughs> How are you? Probably would have helped if we actually submitted one of our videos for nomination. Oh, that's is that probably how it works. It, Whoops. Oh, yeah. That's why we didn't win. That's probably why. So I'm not, you know, I, you know, not as, uh, you know, and, and, and quite frankly, I'm not losing any sleep over it. I, I didn't even watch the Oscars. I'd see, you know what? Movies have sucked for about the last nearly 10 years, I, which I think is the last time I set foot in a movie theater. I think the only movie I've seen in the last 10 years that's, that's, that's come out in the last 10 years is The King's Speech. You know, so but uh, a bunch of people that got together and got to hand out awards for playing make believe for the most part. I know that I understand that there are some true stories that these people get to play, but it's not my, not my thing. So um, instead, my wife and I last night watched The Breakfast Club because that was out on Netflix and she's never seen it. What? Oh, that was yeah, that was her first time seeing The Breakfast. She saw, I think she said she saw like about the first half of it and then, um, you know, but then didn't. But didn't totally finish the movie, I guess, was what she told me. So I was like, well, then we'll watch this. It's only an hour and 37 minutes. And, you know, and uh, let's uh, let's just let's play an old classic. Let's play something back when movies are good. So and this episode is sponsored by Netflix. <laughs> so which of those five which of those five misfits did you identify best as? Were you the jock or were you the uh, <laughs> so the, the principal? <laughs> 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 just want to be in charge and crack the whip, right? That's right. How does that work at home with your wife? <laughs> just, just, it doesn't. Just That's why I get the yeah. role play. That's why I try to role play. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned way too much about you today. So oh, now I have to do a podcast with you. This is going to be something interesting. So, um, you know, I was trying to think of maybe doing like a, a, a theme with, uh, you know, if uh, a, you know, this team's, you know, uh, season so far was a movie. Uh, what would you, you know, what would that movie be, kind of thing? Maybe you know, think about that, Richard. Maybe at the end of the podcast, we'll each come up with one. How does that sound? Uh, we'll see what we can come up with. We'll see what we come up with. We may, we may just forget it altogether. So, um, but uh, but who knows? Uh, but you know, if, if uh, actually that's going to be one for our listeners. If you're listening to this podcast, go to at Syria Sit Down on Twitter uh, or Instagram and. Uh, it could be a team. It could be a player. It could be a manager. Um, if 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 Blank's season was a movie, what movie would that be? So, you know, Kievo uh, would be Gone with the Wind. <laughs> so, uh, in relation to that, but you know, let's get to actually some real stuff that happened. And I want to start with Richard um, uh, Serie A in Europe. And really, I'm you know the. We felt that all three of the Europa League games were formality. We thought that Lazio would go out to Sevilla. They did. We thought that Napoli and Inter would finish uh, the drill against FC Zurich and uh, uh, Rapid Wien, and they did. So that leaves us with the uh, small matter of what went down at the Wanda Metropolitano uh, in Madrid on Wednesday between Atletico Madrid and Juventus. Um, 
for those that are just coming out from under a rock, uh, Atletico Madrid beat Juve by two goals to nil on goals uh, by Jimenez and Godin. Yes, the two center backs for Atleti uh, scored uh, against Juve um, in this game. So um, I went right to Twitter, Richard, and, and tell me what you think about this. If Juve don't reverse this at the J, and I don't think they're going to, because I think that Atletico Madrid is that good and they're that tough to beat, let alone score on. 2018-2019 is a complete failure for the Bianconetti. Oh, 100%. You bring in you bring in uh, Pretty Boy to help uh, bolster your roster, that you know team that's been to the finals two two of the last three years. Um, you wanted to, you spent all this money to get over that hump, that Champions League hump, and then you have your you'll probably have your earliest exit since 2014. Yeah, absolutely, it's a failure. Um, so I'm 100 percent agreement with you. Yeah, I mean, uh, Juve, Juventini, this was your all in. Okay, this is your passion. It's they they talk about it on that documentary on Netflix. We're dropping we're we're we're, we're name dropping Netflix a bunch here today so far, Richard. Thank you, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, this is this is what you're all in on. You know, the the scudetto was as much a given the, the second you signed Ronaldo. Um, so that's no big deal. Okay, the Coppa Italia, massive surprise that that they went out to that. You know, against that against Atalanta, um, in you know in the quarterfinal stage. Um, but this is what they put all of they they put all of their eggs in the Champions League basket by signing Ronaldo, by bringing back Leonardo Bonucci and building a team that was set to win the UEFA Champions League. Now they're on the brink of elimination and they should face the music. They should absolutely face the music. That was a disgusting performance in Madrid. Allegri got it completely wrong by playing De Shitlio on the right-hand side. You can't put any pressure on Atleti with him with his presence. Joao Cancelo would have made a difference, and I get the threat of what Atleti had going forward with Antoine Griezmann, with uh, you know Diego Costa who started, uh, you know, and some of the other uh, you know players that they have involved. But it, what message are you sending to your team? Okay, if, what message are you sending to your fan base when you're a favorite to win this thing? You go and get Ronaldo. You bring back Benucci. It made you a favorite among the favorites to win this competition. What are you saying to the Juventini? And what are you saying to your fan base? This is on Allegri as much as it is on the rest of the team. What does it say when you put out a lineup like that? When you put out the shit, Leo, okay? And and I'm going to say it. He was he was average. I mean, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't, to me, he didn't totally burn them, okay? But he, you saw what Joao, I mean, just go to the Lazio game when they brought Joao Cancelo on and the impact that he had in that game, you know? Um, you know, and then in, in, in some of the other decisions in the lineup. And uh, Alexander was poor. Paulo Dybala was poor. Cristiano Ronaldo was poor. And Cristiano, bad move to pull the I've, I've won five of these in front of the Juve fans who are trying to uh, ask for some explanations what went on <laughs> okay and throwing the rest of your team on the bus that's that, <laughs> that's not what you were brought to Turin for okay but what does it say what what does it say about Allegri and what does it say you know did he overthink this is there does Allegri even as a favorite have an inferiority complex there is a lot that this team has to answer for. 
Yeah, I mean, Allegri got it completely wrong, like you said. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe it's a thing against Spanish teams. I don't know. Uh, it, it start, he certainly got this one wrong, 100%. And uh, you got to give credit to Simeone and his bunch for doing that. And um, Yeah, it, it's not going to be easy going to the second leg. And they're facing probably one of the best goaltenders in the world. And um, it's uh, one of the stoutest defenses in the world as well. So it's not going to be not going to be easy by any stretch. But, you know, the guys have to play a lot better. Ronaldo has played better. Dybala has played better. They all have to play better if they want to have any even and a chance even. Um, is it possible? Sure, but it's going to be very, very difficult to overcome that two-goal lead. I mean, let's just take a look at the statistics in this game. It, it, it tells, it, it'll tell you, it'll tell you a few things about what happened here. Um, it was, uh, you know, the the the, att- the total attempts were even, and. Juve had three, on, but Juve had three on target, okay, uh, with with nine off target. Um, you know, they they had fi- they they had fifteen attempts to uh, Atleti's thirteen, three on target. Atleti had five. Um, you know, they the corners were even. I mean, this was a relatively even game possession. Juve had more of the ball, and it was because of how Simeone had Atletico Madrid organized in this game, okay. He went with his strength, which is defending, which is being organized, not allowing much. They were, and, and you know, you say possession with a purpose, Richard. There was hardly any purpose to to Juventus, and a lot a lot of the reason why they won the possession battle, sixty two percent to thirty eight percent, is because Atleti pretty much let them do whatever they wanted in their third of the pitch, and then for most of the middle third of the pitch, okay, and they dropped off. Okay, it was a uh, forget about the goal. It was a Diego Godin masterclass, by the way. He was sensational in this game. Um, yeah. You know, and and he lived up. He lived up to the building as one of the best. And he's probably to me, he's the best defender in the world over Chiellini and Koulibaly with that performance alone. Um, the midfield, the midfield was stiff. They didn't. You know, they supported the. They protected the back four. Uh, Rodri um, and and Thomas, and then Thomas would eventually get substituted uh, for Lemar as. Simeone tried to restructure his team to go for it. He said, okay, we've got them under control. I'm going to just mix this up just a little bit to go for it. And they made substitutions. <laughs> they made the substitutions that were effective and got it done. We don't see Joao Cancelo until the 84th minute. Yeah, that's not, that's not, how, you, that's not how you win it at all. Yeah. Um, Bernadette's not until the 80th. I mean, yeah, I mean, but... <laughs> I mean, is, but does Bernadeschi scare you? He can at times. His, his, his inconsistency scares me more than anything, I think. Right. So, you know, it was just, it was a, it was, it was the worst time for Juventus to have their single worst performance of the season. Now, going back to Tillian, now, here's what I'm going to say. I, this is an utter failure if they don't reverse this. I doubt that they can reverse this because Atleti will go there uh, to play an organized game, to park the bus, and to, uh, to to try to limit Juventus as much as possible, and for a team that you know have only scored three goals in a game against <laughs> inferior competition in Serie A, and I don't think they've have they scored four at any point this season, Richard Juventus. Mm, maybe once, maybe once, but yeah, I mean, look how they played against Bologna this weekend. <laughs> So they're not gonna. They're in a, they're a little bit of funk right now, and they need to turn it around quick. Agreed. Agreed. The things that are going to probably that that could potentially be redeeming for them. Thomas 
is suspended uh, for the for the second leg, as is Diego Costa. So you don't have that, uh, you know, that hold up striker, uh, or Atleti in Atleti's case, they don't have that hold up striker that's going to be, you know, as troublesome. I mean, Alvaro Morata is going to come on, um, and uh, he, he may likely start this game. He's got a feel for the landscape of playing in Italy. I could see that being a logical uh, start because the only other choice is Nikola Kalinic. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I don't think that, you know, if, if Simeone's smart, he starts Morata, um, ask Milan fans, uh, you know, how that'll go if Kalinic gets the start in that game. But, you know, they, they might not be at the total strength that Simeone wants to go with, but you still look at what they can, what they can bring off the bench and what they can bring, uh, you know, to the table. Now, whether Lamar starts and that moves, you know, Saul into the middle of the park or Coke into the middle of the park. I mean, you know, Atletico is going to have a way uh, to manage this as is Simeone. So, um, so, but I'll, I'll, I'm rambling, but I'll say this, Richard, if they do somehow figure out a way to turn it around, they go back to being the favorites to win this competition. Okay. And I'll make that. Here's, here's, here's why. Atleti is the absolute worst possible matchup for Juventus. And I think we said this when the draw came out back in December, um, we'd have to go back and look at that, listen to that, listen to that podcast and see if we said that. I'm pretty sure we did. Um, if they turn this around, they're immediately one of the favorites because Atleti is the worst matchup for them. Okay. You know, they get the free flowing attack of, of attacks of teams like Manchester city, Barcelona, and some of these others. I think Juventus with the right approach, with the right tactics, the defenders are healthy they they can deal with them because they've seen that a bunch. Atleti throws something at Juventus that most of Juve's squad, you know, aren't accustomed to aren't aren't accustomed to seeing in Europe. A situation where they see more of the ball, okay? Because you see Juventus is usually the team that's in the block, in the mid to low block, and trying to win the ball and then going forward. You remember when they won the first leg against Barcelona um, in the knockouts a couple years back, okay? Um, one of those goals was a, a, a one of Dybala's goals on the brace was a counterattack. Okay, I that seems to have been how it's been successful for them in Europe. Now, an Atleti team that's letting them have the ball, you saw them on Wednesday, Richard. They looked weird. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent right. And as you said, this is the absolute worst matchup for for Juventus, and they're gonna have to find a way to get through that defensive block that Atleti is gonna put put in front of them. Um, and it's gonna be a, be a very very organized, uh, almost Italian like uh, defensive block in front of them. So they're gonna have to find a way to break it down. They have the players to do that, but can they do it tactically? They're gonna have to figure some ways to tweak. Uh, their offense to one to stimulate the offense and get some uh, some attacking uh, opportunities, but also you know break down this athletic defense, get them get them moving, go from side to side. Don't be so predictable in your movement. And uh, quite frankly, Ronaldo and Debal they're gonna have to step up big time. Uh, Ronaldo's been paid big money. He needs to step up in games like this. Um, he's been in in circumstances similar to this with other teams, uh, both national and cl- club and domestic. But he's going to have to step up and uh, and and show why he's worth the money that he was given. Ronaldo's been in this spot before um, with Real Madrid. Uh, had to turn around a 2-0 deficit, go back to Madrid and win 3-0. Uh, 
uh, on the way to winning a Champions League. And I can't remember what year exactly that happened, but he had a hat trick in that game. Juventus is going to need that from him. They're going to need him to draw that strength. Um, they're going to need Mandzukic to be big game Mo. Uh, they're going to need Cancelo to play and play all 90 minutes. And I envision that happening because Atleti's going to just drop off. So it's going to invite Cancelo to come forward and do what he does crossing the ball. Um, so th- this sets up for Juventus and the chances will be there. Can they do enough to go through? And most importantly, they can't allow one. So I think this is going to be hard. Um, and I think that this is going to be the second line. I don't want to be, I, I want to bang the drum for Italian football as much as I can, Richard, but just, I'm not encouraged from what I saw in Madrid. And, you know, I don't know if they can turn this around at the J. Uh, you know, for as good as they've been all season long, they've dominated Italy. Um, I don't know if this, I, I don't know if this turnaround can happen, but at home, it's it's a different animal with Juve. If they're if they're going to do it, if it's going to be a team that can reverse this, it is going to be Juve. They, you know, I'm kind of talking myself into thinking they can do it, even though I have my I still have my doubts. No, I, I got my doubts as well, and I, I like I said, I, I too want to bang the drum for Italian football. However, based on what I saw at the Wanda Metropolitano and what I saw this weekend against Bologna, I don't think they can do it as much as I want them to, as much as I think they're capable of right now, their form, their mentality tells me otherwise. And uh, if I had to pick right now a winner of that second leg, I'm going to go with, with, with Atleti, with Atleti moving on as opposed to Juventus. But we'll see when the game comes in a couple of weeks what kind of form these two teams are in. But at, at present moment, you got to give the advantage to Atleti. I'm going to say that Juve win the second leg 2-1 and they'll go out. Uh Three two on aggregate, so uh, that's you know I I can't after what I watched on Wednesday I can't endorse I can't endorse them going through against an Atleti team that's going to be organized and very difficult to break down for ninety minutes and not to mention they're going to make it a dog fight they're not going to make it easy so um you want to do a early, early knee jerk score on this in the second leg or are you just going to say Atleti's going through uh I'll go say one one and Atleti go through okay so you think it'll be a draw. Um, in the in the return leg, and then three one on aggregate to Atleti. I think Juve went two one. So either way, we we've got Atleti going through. Okay, so Richard, real quickly, I want to just touch on uh, Europa League uh, and the teams that are still in it in the round of sixteen because uh, uh, you uh, know the Bundesliga landscape pretty well from doing the Schalke uh, pod and being a Schalke supporter. Um, so Inter will travel to Eintracht Frankfurt. Napoli get Austrian opposition in RB Salzburg. Uh, so, uh, but why don't you tell us a little bit about Eintracht Frankfurt and what uh, Interisti will have to look forward to in the round of 16. This is a very tasty game for the neutral. Um, it's, Inter fans are, they probably do not know too much about Eintracht Frankfurt, but they better learn quickly. Uh, they have some, they have an attacking three that's just as, playing just as good as anybody else in the world at the moment. Uh, between uh, Jovic, Rebic, and uh, um, oh, the oh, the other guys uh, escaping my name, escaping my head right now. But um, the three of them, the three-headed monster. Uh, you know, last year they played well together, but I think this year with their new manager, which I thought they were gonna to have a, a step back, they're actually stepping forward, and they're uh, so much more um, so much more flexible in what they do. There's three. They're, they're, with the three of them combined, they each have over I think ten goals in the in, in the Bundesliga at the moment. 
Uh, they're scoring for fun at the moment, and they can they can defend. Uh, they have good midfield. They got a good goalkeeper. Uh, this is a strong team. Um, as I watched them throughout the season, they're 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 getting better. They started out a little little shaky, but um, they're right in the mix again for the Champions League spots in the Bundesliga, and they're right there just behind you know Bayern Bayern München for uh, those Champions League spots. So um, this is a team to be reckoned with. They're, they're, the three headed monster at the top is 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 as good, like I said, as anybody in the world right now at the moment. Um, the way they're playing, the confidence that they have. Um, Jovic and Rebic are really, really amazing players, and then Haller. Haller is the other guy. Um, he's uh, he 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 can score goals as well. He's he's got confidence to boot. So uh, it's going to be a tough challenge for Inter, no doubt about it. They're going to have to find a way defensively to slow them down. Um, there's uh, plenty of good players on that team, but it, to stop the to stop Eintracht, you need to stop those those front three guys, and that's going to be a tall task because not many people have been able to do it so far. Indeed, indeed. And then Napoli uh, getting RB Salzburg. Um, remember, let's remember, this is a, a Salzburg that reached the semifinals of the Europa League last season. Uh, not a done deal for Napoli because they have been very strong in this this edition of the Europa League as well. Um, up front, a very talented striker in Manus Dabur, who I, at some point is going to be uh, making some money playing for one of the uh, five, playing for a club in one of the five top leagues. Um, Hannes Wolf through the midfield. Uh, they've got, um, uh, I believe they play a three-man defense with wingbacks. If they don't, their fullbacks bomb forward and they generate a ton of crosses. Uh, so uh, they'll they'll put this Napoli side to the test. Um, I I think Napoli go through Richard, um, but uh, I, I I know enough of this Eintracht Frankfurt team to be dangerous. I I don't have a lot of hope for Inter um, with this draw. Uh, I get that Inter have been playing a lot better. They're trying to get past the Holy Cardi episode right now, and they look a lot freer. They look like they're playing a lot better. But this feels like an Eintracht Frankfurt team that's uh, uh, that's going to be able to match them um, and maybe maybe even exceed them. And they might be able to set a tone in Germany uh, against the Nerazzurri. Um So I'll go Napoli being the only Serie A team left after the round of 16. Uh, do you see Inter uh, knocking off Frankfurt? Am I wrong here? No, I mean, I. it's going to be a difficult task, especially now with Icardi not playing uh, a pivotal role in the team as he was before. If had he been there and they were playing really well, I'd say, oh, it's a great chance for for Inter. But they don't have their, their talisman or their former talisman, I should say. And um, the, at, at, based on current form, you're going to have to get the advantage to Eintracht. Now, Inter are certainly capable. They have, they have players on their team that uh, can get the job done. It'll be... It, it could be a very tight affair, but I the the three playmakers for Eintracht I like them a lot. Um, they've shown they've shown very flexible, like I said, and, and they can do a lot of different things. Not just um, you, it's hard to hard to put them in a box and and, and close them out. They they're so mobile uh, and they set each other up so well. They know where each other are for being just together for a short amount of time. They they, they look like they've been playing with together for years. So uh, it's a very dangerous uh, opposition for Inter and. At the moment, I don't like it. I don't like uh, the matchup, but uh, I'm curious how the first leg goes. And yeah, Inter's gonna have to step up on the at the on the road, uh, scoring a away goal if they're gonna have a chance, because uh, it's gonna be very difficult against Eintracht, especially when they're in Germany. Yeah, and and like I said, I like a, I'm gonna predict Inter to go out at the round of 16. I, I, and I think another is. Spalletti's probably going to get to a point here, and we'll talk about this when we uh, recap all the games. Uh, the priority is going to probably end up being on 
making sure they secure a Champions League place for next season, and things are starting to get a little snug for them. So mm-hmm. let's uh, let's get into this slate. And Richard, uh, you'll lead us off here as we talk Fiorentina and Inter. So coming into this match week 25, uh, if you looked at the calendar, it looked uh, this matchup would look like the, the headline of the weekend, and it did not. Um, it certainly lives up to the hyping for sure. Uh, this game had everything. It had goals. It had no goals. It had VAR uh, controversies. Uh, it had it all, Frank, and it all started uh, in the first minute of the game, no, no less, uh, 16 seconds in. Um, Fiorentina with a, with a, I forget who it was, a right back, hit, shoots it across over everybody. Chiesa outpaces everybody because he's one of the fastest guys in the league. Uh, he crosses in the middle to Diego, uh, to Cholito Simeone, uh, who backheels it and hits it off to Vry, who scores it in the net. Uh, just like that, Fiorentina up one nothing. Uh, you know, this is, uh, the start to a game that you want to see because, you know, games like this to have a lot of hype with two, uh, very good squads, Frank, they tend to, uh, be a little bit of a stalemate in the beginning of this team, try to feel each other out. And to get a goal this early in the matchup, it kind of really opened things up, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And I mean, I think um, goals had to be expected with the, the form that both of these teams are in going forward. Uh, so, um, you know, to, so to get one in the first minute of the game, that really sets the tone. It means that, uh, you you know, the the, uh, the the sparring and just throwing the jabs, uh, that all has to go out the window, and it starts to get a little more exciting after that. And you know, teams have to change their approach a little bit. Maybe not as much as you know, if they if it's been even, if it's been nil nil or one one or something like that, and the team scores in the 88th minute. Now the other team's just going to come out like gangbusters to try to get that point back. Um, you know, there's still some time to kind of get situated and make adjustments as needed and so forth. But uh, in this case, uh, a goal in the first minute uh, really set the tone for things. No, it certainly did, and um, this this game had this game had it literally had everything. It didn't take long. That lead didn't last very long. Uh, one of the goals of the weekend uh, happened in the sixth minute. Uh, it was it was a a nice volley pass uh, over the everybody. The op, everyone was trying to clear the box. The ball comes back into the box, and Mateus Vecino, you know, reads it perfectly, jumps in the air, volleys it out of the air with power, uh, hits it past Lafont and into the goal. Uh, wonderful goal, wonderful way to equal it up, uh, Frank. Uh, Mateus Vecino, that volley, it was just perfect timing. The whole play was just a wonderful play. A, uh, a goal on his former club. Um, no celebration. No celebration, so they had that, you had that going on too. Well taken goal. Um, and then got into right back into it. And, uh, interestingly, after this, uh, I, I, I have no idea what, the referee in this match was waiting for. Apparently, the VAR was in his ear about something with this. I don't know if you caught that or not. Um, the uh, the referee was Rosario Abiso, um, and uh, but he had been standing there for quite a few minutes after you know after Inter had scored after Vecino equalized, and I think that you know everybody was scratching their head and said, "What is this guy standing around for?" Is there going to be a review? Is there not going to be? And then in the end, they just said, "Well, we're going to allow the goal. Let's go." Um, what, did you did you see anything that might have might have suggested that VAR wanted to have multiple looks at it before uh, before telling uh, 
Senor be so here that no, we're good. The goal stands. I, I, maybe a hint thought, of offside. They might have thought somebody was offsides. I didn't see it, but it, he must have saw something that it was close enough that he wanted to take a second and third, fourth look at it because uh, he wasn't so sure. But I thought it was uh, a good, a good play nonetheless. And um, yeah, I don't know what what he saw. Maybe there's something else he was looking at. Maybe a uh, uh, pulling up jersey. I don't know, but yeah, it took much longer than uh, I thought it should. VAR is reminding me of, um, did you ever see the movie Falling Down? Mm, I don't think so. With uh, Michael Douglas? No. Okay. Um, Check it out. It's actually a pretty good movie. Um, It's about 30 years old. (laughs) Just watch the movie. But anyway, there's a scene where he encounters that uh, he can't get through because there's a whole lot of construction going on on the roads. And... um, He's asking one of the like the construction foreman or one of the workers and saying, you know, what are you what are you guys doing? The the road was fine just yesterday, you know, and then uh, and then the worker tried to give some explanation. And then my, Michael Douglas comes back and says, no, I think you guys are just trying to justify your overinflated budget. <laughs> so, you know, the point I'm making here is I think that VAR is trying to justify maybe the overinflated budget that they have and they're trying to find ways to um, use it when maybe it's not really necessary to be used. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. I mean, because I get, we get that a lot with construction. I don't know what it's like up by you, but in Wisconsin, we get, that's why in Wisconsin we got two seasons. We got winter and we got construction. Okay? <laughs> so, and during construction we see, I mean, you guys just did this road last summer. You're, you're back out here again? It, it, it was fine. What what are you fixing now kind of thing? So, you know, and same thing here. That goal was fine. There's there's nothing to look at. Let's, you know, there's nothing to fix. Let's let's move on. And I think at times that I think VAR is at time being misused. And and this is a case yeah. where it just is being misused. Somebody somebody in a in a in a closed out closed out you know closed in room with a bunch of monitors needs to feel needs to make his presence felt and that's all that was in my opinion it was kind of silly to keep everybody sitting around on that oh yeah 100 percent. and uh we hear more about the, this lovely referee as the game went on but uh before that uh it looked like this game was going to go into halftime with a score of 1-1 but another goal of the seat or goal of the weekend candidate uh this time by Matteo Politano uh you know he's on the right wing there right side of the box uh, try, you, everyone and their mother knows he's trying to get on his left foot. Uh, he finally gets on their left foot, curls in a wonderful shot, far post, uh, scores the goal. Uh, in, look at that, Inter two goals in the in, the, in our top five candidates. Uh, wonderful strike by him, and uh, Inter just like that, two one up going into halftime. Yeah, well taken by uh, Politano, and uh, he needed that. Um, oh yeah. Uh, the first game in the Europa League, he had some struggles, didn't play particularly well, and got subbed out. And you know, it was good to see him get back in, 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 into the game and get a uh, get a goal like this. Was um, you know, was certainly uh, and, and certainly well taken. And yeah, definitely a deserving candidate for goal of the week. So, you know, two one at halftime. Uh, they came out of the box, um, out of the second half box, I should say. And uh, Juve or not Juve, uh, Fiorentina's struggles would continue. In, in, I, I get the slip. I get the slip because you know Fiorentina have been involved in so much VAR stuff lately. <laughs> you think it's Juventus? I get it. Okay. And they got Juve in this game, but we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> uh, in the fifty-second minute, 
Uh, it seemed like a harmless play where, you know, Fiorentina or Inter are trying to, you know, cross into the box. The ball gets clear and Fiorentina does a good job of clearing out the box. But all of a sudden they go to VAR and it looks like, well, it's not look like it's a definite handball by Fiorentina in the box and the referee calls a penalty. Frank, uh, did you agree with the handball call? <laughs> The incident we're going to talk about later, I think, is going to be is 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 more questionable than this one. Um, I, I I've been back and forth on this. To me, it looked like a handball. Um, I don't know what people were looking at to suggest that it isn't. Um, it's just it, you know, he has his arm out, and the ball. I mean, what happens here? The the it, did somebody? I think did an Inter player get a head to it first, and then it hit his arm. Yeah, um, like it was. It was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was. Uh, it was uh, Fernandez uh, that was uh, charged with the handball on this. I mean, I think in an era where VAR, this is one of those classic ones where if VAR wasn't present, nobody would have been bothered by the non-handball by a non-handball call there. Right. So, um, but it was you know they they rule it a handball and. Uh, it's 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 one of those where it to me it could have been left alone, uh, but I also see the angles where they're looking at it and say, yeah, that is a handball. We need to give a penalty there too. So they they did call a penalty. Uh, upset with Ivan Perisic, and he would score. It would be three uh, one at that point. So <laughs> you know we're talking about some more controversy. Fiorentina would thought they had one pegged back um, to make it three two. Uh, it was a play where the ball bounces around, comes out to uh, a ball rolls out. Baragi hits it full power. Great goal. Could have been one of the goal, goal of the weekend candidates. But the referee decides to go to VAR again. And this time he sees that Luis Muriel or someone kicks an inter player uh, just, just before the goal gets scored, takes the goal away. What did you make of that play? Because uh, that seemed a little bit harsh of a call to take away that goal. I I didn't like it. I mean, fine. The, the the shots on the way, but the incident has the incident has nothing to do with the shot. And okay, so if, if Muriel doesn't kick the defender, does he stop the shot? No. Does it hit off his Nobody face? Does it, I mean, I mean, that's the thing that they got to look at in VAR. Is it? I mean, is that an infraction that's really going to have an impact on what's going on with the ball? You know, I mean, and it, it it didn't, and the goal should have been allowed to stand. It was a great goal uh, by uh, uh, by Biragi, uh, but for me, it's it's uh, it, does the incident could the incident incident have altered the play? And in that case, I don't think it would have. Okay, no, so so. I, I I had a problem with VAR deciding to uh, to come into play here and, and uh, overrule that goal. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a bad call, and I agree with you that whether he you know kicked him or not, it had nothing, no inc- no outcome on the play, and that, that goal should have counted. You know, what are you going to go and count every little nick and 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 uh, kick and punch in, in during the game? No, it's going to slow down the game completely. So uh, it was a it was a bad no call, but Fiorentina Fiorentina would get. Uh, a chance to get a goal back regardless. Uh, this would be the goal of the weekend, in my opinion, Frank. I don't know about you, but uh, Luis Muriel from it seemed like no man's land with a free kick. 
He kicks one of these uh, Roberto Carlos type free kicks. I mean, nothing the goalie, nothing Handanovic could have done about it. Perfectly placed. So much pace from that distance. Uh, what a strike! Yeah, you get no, you get no fight from me on this. That's the goal of the week. Um, I, I just so well struck, and maybe maybe uh, Muriel commits because maybe Muriel was worried that Biragi would get the goal of the week. That he decided to kick the inter defender <laughs> and just to stroke his. <laughs> That's probably Some what conspiracy. It was. Yeah, that's really what they're doing, right? Um, uh, no, uh, it's uh, just as sweetly struck a free kick as we've, um, uh, you know, as we've seen this season. So, uh, so well done to Muriel. Might be the, might arguably be the free kick of the season. There've been some very impressive ones. Obviously, uh, Bruno Alves's goal for uh, Parma, um, yeah, you know, stands out as an as as another excellent free kick goal. Uh, this season, but uh, you know, Muriel uh, can give it a run for its money. I think. Oh, one hundred percent. And so that that knocked them down to three two. Uh, Inter looked like they were going to win because you get to ninetieth minute, still same scoreline. Referee puts up six minutes of stoppage time, uh, and, and in that sixth minute of stoppage time, a handball is called against against Inter. Uh, the players are arguing. I'm like, what? What? What is this? And then they go to VAR. They show the replays. You think they're going to overturn it? Nope. The referee says, you know what? No, it's a penalty. And they give the they give the penalty to Fiorentina. Vera two. Jordan Vera two steps up. He shoots and scores a three three. Did you agree with that call with the referee? Because I looked at it several times, and it, to me, it did not look like a handball, a legit handball. I should say. Absolutely not. Not a handball, not not a chance. That ball is off his chest, if anything, che- almost his chest. Yeah, because I kept, I you know, I was watching, I was watching it again this morning. My son was up, and we were watching the, and we we're just watching the clip on YouTube and just playing it slowly, and then just freezing it right where the ball makes contact. And if you look at it, it's on his chest. And I looked at, and I looked at my son, and I said, Anthony, is that a handball? And he said, No, my seven-year-old son. <laughs> <laughs> knows what a handball is and what a handball isn't. But this referee who gets paid and the, the VAR crew doesn't even the VAR crew made a whole lot of noise on the Vicino goal that they didn't have to and wasted a lot of people's time. But here they did they even step in? I don't even think they stepped in. Maybe they used up all their minutes on that first Vicino play. I mean it, it didn't make any sense. VAR is not being used what it should be last year VAR was pit, you know pinpoint on on all their calls it seemed like in Serie A and then this season they tweaked it and it's it's gone to hell. And this game is another example. You know, there's two two plays in this game, this one included, that were completely wrong and uh, so many missed calls and uh, it's just a, a calamity of errors by the uh, by the officiating crew all the way through and through. And you know, you kind of feel for for, for Inter, but also Fiorentina got you know shafted a little bit earlier in the game. So I mean. I guess three three or a, a, each team coming out with a point is, is deserved. I guess, but I mean, you got to feel for Inter in this one, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate for Inter. I mean, it, when you look at it on the whole and the statistics, uh, Inter um, slight edge in possession, Fiorentina edge in the chances. Um, so you know, balanced in that respect. Uh, but Inter was the team that that had all three points in hand going into that ninety sixth minute. Um, and are, are walking away with one. So they're kind of on the short end of it. So, 
Um, I'll, I'll uh, read Charlie Stilettano's tweet, Charlie Stilettano from SiriusXMFC, your buddy uh, that you got to spend mm-hmm. a little time with. Yeah. Um, the whole point of VAR is to correct clear and obvious mistakes. There were multiple instances this weekend, including the handball in hashtag Fiorentina Inter and this beauty in hashtag Levante Real Madrid where that did not happen. Yeah, that's what VAR is supposed to do. If you're a VAR official, your job is to try to see, seek out clear and obvious mistakes and get in the referee's head. And whatever happened, I mean, I mean, there have been some just some awful misuses of VAR, not just this season, but in this game, this has been a microcosm of the use of VAR in Serie A. Yep. And it's terrible. It's unfortunate. And, you know, not only the players lose out, but the fans lose out. They're getting screwed out of what result of, out of what results should be. OK. And. um you know, how things should play out because VAR is not serving the purpose that it's supposed to serve. All right. They're wasting a lot of people's time. This is a game that went on a lot longer than it should have. Thanks to VAR. Um, they wasted everybody's time after Vecino's goal. Uh, they jumped in on the Biragi goal that ended up getting overruled when, uh, on an incident that had nothing to do with the shot. Um, and this is what we, we, you know, Michael Lisi, if you're listening, if you have a chance to clarify any of these things for us um, on Twitter, we'd love, for, we'd love for you to jump in and, and tell us on Twitter and tell the listeners on Twitter. Because um, I'd like to consider Michael as our resident referee now, Richard. Um, <laughs> the NFL has one, now we have one. And Richard, if, and, and Michael, if you, can't, if you can't explain these things, then I don't blame you. <laughs> so, um, you know. Uh, and and then the and then this this handball that wasn't a handball. I mean, it just was. That's where VAR needs to step in and say, "Wait a second, that was not a handball." Okay, and then figure out what to do in that situation. To go outside the penalty area and do a drop ball, do something. But you know, you know, as a Milanist, you know, as a Milanisti, I actually feel bad for Interisti. They got gypped out of two points here, um, and suddenly this was exactly the result that sets up for third place being up for grabs. Yeah. You know this hurts Inter in more ways than one. They lost, yeah, you know, they lost two points in this game, but they also lost uh, that grip, that that hold of third place. And we'll, you know, we'll talk about the rest of the games this weekend. But it is now a a full on race for the last two Champions League spots. Yeah, for sure, that's what it does. It sets the table for um, uh, for the two for the two places. And we thought, you know, I I thought. You know, when we had Rocco on a few weeks ago, I thought I, I, I think that two places are up for grabs. Then, you know, Rocco and and you said you need know, to uh, to drop a result at some point before that can be a reality. Well, that result's been dropped um, right here now. Having said that, I mean Fiorentina are a difficult opponent to play. And when I look at Inter right now, Richard, I think that, you know they've proven to me that okay, they've they're, they're unbeaten since all of this Icardi mess, and in my opinion, playing a lot better. What do you think? Oh, they certainly are. They have turned it around with uh, minus Icardi, and they still need to build on it. They need to, you know, get back that swagger that they had early in the season. But this is the, this is the right way to do it. They're getting they're getting there. The fans are certainly behind it, and uh, they they can continue to build on the success. And and like I said, if if they get that momentum going, and when they get to the Eintracht game, anything can happen for sure. But um, they're playing a lot better now. They're playing more free flowing, and it's uh, it's they're much more fun to watch, especially if you're neutral. Agreed with that for sure. Um, so, uh, and then Fiorentina, they're they're turning into that team that uh, that we look forward to watching because there's a lot. I mean, 
<laughs> 11 goals combined over the last two games. Uh, you know, the 3-3 draw here and then the uh, 4-1 win at Spall. Um, they're becoming a neutral delight, aren't they? Yeah, they certainly are. They got uh, speed, they got talent, and now they have free kick ability. So, yeah, they're uh, a really, really fun team to watch. For sure, for sure. So they're going to be kind of the team. And let's take a look at Fiorentina's prospects right now because they're on 36 points. You know, maybe the top four is a little too far, uh, sitting nine back of, of Milan. But they could they could certainly be a player in this um, uh, in this uh, uh, race for a Europa League spot. And they, the first step is to go to Atalanta and try to get some kind of result. And Atalanta's there for the taking right now, is which we'll yeah. explain here in a little bit. Then they host Lazio, another team that's there for the taking. Then they travel to Cagliari, which is never easy. And then home to home against Torino, which is tougher than you think. Um, and then at Roma. So it is a very daunting fixture fixture list as far as Serie A is concerned. Wednesday they play home. They're at home against Atalanta in the Copa uh, semifinal first leg. But, you know, on their form uh, and considering how some of the teams that they have to deal with are playing, um, Atalanta and Roma are teams that, don't keep anybody out, and uh, that's a that's a tough prospect for them with a Fiorentina team that are are scoring a lot of goals right now. Um, you can almost argue that Torino might be the stiffest opponent in terms of resistance for them um, out of these five games coming up. No, oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, just look at on based on current form, Torino has actually been doing really well defensively, and uh, they had another shutout this weekend. Uh, this. Uh, Mazzari's really got the guys playing uh, as a team and and as a unit, especially defensively, and they're finding ways to score even when Belotti's not. So uh, that's all credit to the manager and the team for buying in, and uh, they're certainly a tough opponent, you know, both in Torino and also when they're on the road. Yep, for sure. So, you know, so Fiorentina still still in it with a shout for the uh, European places, Inter. Uh, he's starting to come back to the chasing pack just a little bit. So, uh, you know, we'll see what this does going forward. So it was Fiorentina and Inter reactions at Serie Sit Down on Twitter and Instagram. Let's uh, get on to the rest of the slate. All right, Richard. And uh, the slate began on Friday with Milan playing host to Empoli. Um, uh, it was a 3-0 win for Rossoneri. Nil-nil uh, at halftime. A uh, goal in the first half disallowed. Uh, VA, this was where VAR actually worked and was right. Uh, Lucas Paqueta uh, headed in across from Ricardo Rodriguez to uh, put the Rosaneri ahead one nil. It turned out that Paqueta was in an offside position, as was I believe two other Milan players. Um, so that was disallowed. Uh, go into the break nil-nil, but. Um, You'd love to be a fly on the wall uh, in the dressing in the Milan dressing room at halftime to hear what Gattuso had to say to his team because whatever he said, it worked. Um, <laughs> exactly. For, yeah. Forty uh, ninth minute, uh, that man again, Christophe Piantek, uh, turns in a cross from Hakan Chalhanolu uh, to put the Rossoneri ahead uh, by a goal to nil, and then two minutes later, uh, the man of the match in this game, in my opinion, Samu Castalejo. Uh, playing in Francesi and a goal of the week candidate here, Francesi with a chip um, over Dragovski to uh, give the Rossoneri that cushion, putting him ahead 2-0. Uh, Castellejo will get his would get his well-deserved goal in the 67th minute at, and turning in a cross uh, coming in from Andrea Conti. Three goals, three more points for Milan Richard. 
Um, and uh, something for Gattuso to think about with uh, Castellejo's performance against Empoli. Yeah, he, uh, he he gave some spark to the Rossoneri, and, you know, if Suzu doesn't start picking up his game, he has a uh, a a more than capable player who can step up and take his place, and uh, whether that's starting or, or, or whatnot off the bench. But, uh, yeah, Castellejo is uh, making a good name for himself. He's played pretty well with, with Milan and in Serie A, so uh, it sounds like he's become a good pickup for them. And, you know, really, Milan had two goals taken away from them this, this, in this game, but... Um, I agree with you. Castillejo has got to be the man of the match in this game uh, with his uh, uh, goal and assist and uh, could have had another assist in this game too. So uh, good performance by him. And good, like I said, he's just playing his way into uh, Gattuso's, good, one of Gattuso's guys like Chalanolo, which, you know, he'll play, play him no matter what, no matter what kind of form he's in, he'll play him. So Castillejo is starting to get into that kind of mold there. And, you know, hey. Yeah. Um you know, and he uh, he forced a nice save from Dragowski in the first half too. Yeah. Uh, uh, had a great chance there. Andrea Conti, uh, first ninety minutes uh, after you know first time getting in a full ninety. Um, scale of one to ten on his performance. Oh, it was pretty good. I mean, that assist he gave to Castillejo at the end was really good. I'm going to give him a seven, I guess. Yeah, I think there's still room for improvement. There's some rust that has to be shaken off there, but. Uh, you know, certainly put in a good 90 here uh, and, uh, you know, giving giving Milan some depth. So, um, you know, just a good overall team performance by Milan. And again, proving to be hard to score on is, you know, but you know, an Empoli team that's found goals. I wouldn't necessarily say that they've found goals hard to come by. They have 30 goals in, in 25 games. The problem is that they've given up 48. They're among the worst defenses uh, in Serie A. And there's no sign of it getting any better. Um they're, they are they actually are tied for second worst in goals against uh, on 48 with Kievo and then Frosinone have allowed the most on 49. Um, you know, so they they obviously can score goals. The problem is is that they concede too many. So, um, Empoli, are the attack going to keep them up or are the defense going to drop them to Seti B? Yes. No, uh... <laughs> It's a good question. It's, uh, I mean, you know, at present, it seems like their defense is keeping them, you know, going towards, uh, Serie B, but, um, they're, what, they got three, three point advantage on, on Bologna. Bologna, we both think that can, are going to be out of this, uh, relegation fight. So who's going to take their place? And that's the question. Empoli certainly has the attack now, and, and Diego Farias adds another wrinkle to that. Um, he brings some scoring touch to them as well, but, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Uh, you know, there are gonna be games where their offense is gonna keep them keep them in the games, and other times where like this, where they give up this goals galore left and right, and nothing can do about it. It's gonna be a tough call. They need to find more consistency because if they don't, they're surely gonna be going down. Yeah, indeed, and that's uh, that's something that they have to fix. Uh, Diego Farias is looking like he's still trying to settle in at his new club. Um, Played played pretty well in this game in particular. Uh, the, uh, the midfielder Benasser is a guy that's uh, that's pretty useful for them too. Uh, and then of course you still got my cousin in there uh, who that's can bag right. the goals. So hey, I mean there's still a chance for them. I mean, but the defending has to get better because Bologna is playing a lot better now, um, and could be a matter of time where they pass Empoli, um, you know, and get into get comfortably into safety here. So you know, so we'll see what happens with them. 
Uh, Torino and Atalanta opened up uh, the the Saturday games. There were just two of them. Um, and we talked about how difficult it is to uh, to break down Walter Mazzotti's team. They defend really well. They um, they don't give much away. And Atalanta found that out the hard way. And uh, their defensive woes continue. They're beaten by Torino by two goals to nil. It was a uh, Armando Itzo goal in the first half. Uh, and then just coming out of the dressing room um, in the second half, uh, Iago Falke um, on an assist from uh, Swaliho Meite. Uh, giving uh, the Granata a 2-0 lead, and that's how it would stay. Um, I tweeted, Richard, after this game that uh, Matsari needs to get even more run now for uh, manager of the season. Yeah, I mean, this team is really playing real, well at the moment, and I mean, he's really turned this team around from what, they, uh, you know, what we thought they were to be in the season. We thought they had the talent to score, but they couldn't really get people out. Um, he's turned his team into a defensive team, a very stout team, one of the better defenses in the in the in the league, and he's certainly you know especially if they you know they get a European spot, he's got to be. I mean, he's already in, name's got to be in the mix, but uh, he's got to be at the very top if he gets his team into Europa League or, or higher. So, uh, excellent job by him, and uh, if if nothing else, it's a comeback manager of the year. <laughs> they're they're in seventh on thirty eight points. Andrea Bellotti has only seven goals through twenty-five Serie A games. Let's let's yeah. double that double that goal total. Where in the table do you think they are? Oh man, that's gotta that's gotta be you know Champions League. You know, right on the brisk of that. If not, if not in the middle, if not fully in Champions League spot, I think because I mean currently they're on thirty-eight points, and you know, double the goals. You're probably looking um, probably solidly. Around Inter, Inter and Milan, maybe maybe slightly above them. Who knows? With the defense that they play, uh, it's not it'd be it's not too hard to think that they would be uh, Champions League contenders. Uh, Papa Gomez out uh, for this. Is he injured? I didn't see it. I mean, he might have might have got injured. I I, didn't, I must have missed that. Didn't start and was not on the bench. I don't know if uh, it was a. Uh, let's see. I'm showing doubtful, but I don't know exactly why um but uh uh he was shown as doubtful didn't even make the substitutes bench they actually started uh timothy castan in a more advanced position in this game um with uh uh Hatibor and gozens as the wing backs in the uh three four two one that uh casperini has employed gozens had to leave the game through injury um relatively early in this game so injury woes are starting to pile up here for atalanta um and then it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, Kulishevsky who actually came in for Robin Gozen, so that would move Kostan over to, um, that moved Kostan over back to his traditional wing back position. Uh, and then uh, Kulishevsky ended up coming out in the 71st minute, and I presume that's over an injury because I would not see why you would take a substitute out. Um, but there was also the need to go to two strikers, so they played Barrow and uh, uh, Zapata together. Um, so, uh, you know, but uh, back-to-back defeats here now for Atalanta after they got on a good run, knocked out uh, knocked out Juve in the Copa. Um, as far as their campaign, they're still at uh, 38 points. It's they're still in it, but again, it's that defending. We talked about this last week. Um, are we finding the wheels starting to fall off of Atalanta's Champions League charge here? 
they are human after all. This is, it seems like it. Oh, it could just be a blip on their radar. Uh, we'll see how this week goes against Fiorentina times two. Uh, but you know, at present, it seems like teams have figured out a way. You know, two two strong defensive teams uh, played them and and they shut them down. Um, it, did, did did Milan and Torino find a way a chink in the armor that to uh, stop this offensive juggernaut? Maybe we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens with Fiorentina. They're not exactly stout defensively. So if Fiorentina can find wins um, without being that good defensively, then we we really got a problem with Atalanta. But uh, it's, it's still way, way too early to say that they're 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 coming back down to earth. But um, like I said, this week's gonna be very very telling. Torino is the defense that Atalanta wish they had. Oh yeah, everybody wishes they had. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. So. Um, so that's what happened with Torino and Atalanta. The other Saturday game, Frosinone at home against Roma. Um, on paper, it should be pretty straightforward, but this is Roma. Nothing's ever straightforward. Um, and it's not even Fanolas. It was Manolas and Marcano uh, starting as the center back pairing. Manolas would actually get injured and uh, be replaced by Fazio. Uh, but anyway, uh, five minutes in, a shock was on the cards. It was Camilo Ciano opening the scoring for the hosts, uh, giving them a 1-0 lead. Order would be restored on the half-hour mark through Aiden Dzeko. Uh, and just a minute later, Lorenzo Pellegrini, well, he's starting to come into some form, Richard, Lorenzo Pellegrini, um, giving Roma a 2-1 lead. Uh, that's what the score would be at halftime, and that would drag on for another uh, 35 minutes uh where it would be an equalizer from Frosinone. So maybe a shock result was on the cards. Andrea Pinamonte from Camilo Ciano uh making it a two two draw in the eightieth minute. And uh we thought we were going for honors even would be a massive point for Frosinone and any desperate hope that they have of getting out of the relegation spots. Um Milan fans starting to celebrate a little bit because they give them because this would give them a little bit more of a cushion over Roma for fourth spot. But Aiden Jacko turns up in the 95th minute with the winner on an assist from Stefan El Shirawi. Um Cutting it close. That's pretty much an understatement about Roma in this one. Yeah, I mean, uh, frozen on. I mean, come on now, but hey, you got you got. To, they found a way to get the three points, and uh, it's important at this time of the season to get all the points that you can get. Um, they're they're in that Champions League fight now, where you know maybe a month or so ago we didn't think they were. Uh, they're finding ways to win. They're being very resourceful. They're leaving it late. Uh, that's a little little too close for comfort, but um, at least they got the win, right? Uh, that that shows the strength in the team. The team's really coming together. They're, they're rallying behind EDF. Um, so at least they got the three points. But yeah, it's Frosinone. They, they made it way too tough on themselves. And there's no reason it should have been that close. You can just about argue they were outplayed in the second half. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Frosinone looked, uh, they looked like a, a competent offensive team there. Yeah. I mean, they did. I mean, they, they second half stats, uh, Frosinone outshot Roma 7 to 6, outshot. Uh, three to one in shots on target. So, you know they were the they they were the more dangerous team um, in the second half here against the Giallorossi, which uh, you wouldn't think considering what Roma can offer going forward. Uh, so, um, you know, so a, a shock a shock result that. But if you're a, a, an ardent follower of Serie A, this isn't terribly shocking because Roma is capable of clunkers like these from time to time. Uh, only this time they. They found a way to get out of it and get all three points. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, good for them. But uh, again, leaving it too uh, too close, too late. Uh, it made a lot. It made a lot tougher on themselves, and there's no reason it should have been that tough against an opponent like that. But um, hey, I guess it's all about getting the points, right? What do you think of the rumors that uh, that broke out throughout the week? Um, if uh, with with what's going on with Maurizio Sarri at Chelsea, that uh, stories are that uh, EDF could go out uh, and Sarri could be the uh, next Roma boss. He needs to get out of that mess of uh, Chelsea as it is. I mean, if I were him, I would take that freaking goaltender by the scruff of the neck and throw him in the youth academy, never let him out. But that's me. Um, it's it's a it's a shit show over there at Chelsea, and so Saturday needs to be back in City A, in my opinion. Roma may be the place to go, and I mean, imagine Sarri's offense with with Roma's players. That could be something, right? But I don't want to, you know, discredit EDF. I think he's still cap- more than capable of leading this team, but he needs to do better. He needs to do better both on the in the European front, but also domestically. And at, at the moment, he seems to have righted the ship, but. I mean, if Sarri's name, if he becomes available, who knows what Monchi and, and, and the other other players, big players in, in Syria are thinking, well, who will, will they will they do what they can to get the guy? We'll see, I guess. But um, that's going to be a certainly an interesting take, and I'm curious what Roma fans think about that because, uh, you know, do you keep EDF, who's done really well for you the last couple of years, or do you bring in Sarri and his Sarri ball? It's a tough, tough dilemma. It is. It it certainly is. Boy, I, I would be very interested to see what he would do with guys like Zaniolo and Pellegrini, for example. Um, you know, and I, he he obviously would have a goal scorer in Jekyll, and I mean even El Savawi. Uh, so you know, you have the pieces there that, from at least from a characteristic standpoint, it would make a whole lot of sense. It would work. Uh, you know, but there's the whole matter of Di Francesco. You know, if Roma achieve their objectives, <laughs> it's going to be hard to cut him loose. So. Um, you know, so kind of a kind of an interesting one when that story broke out. Now, I mean, for those who are following, those who don't follow English football, um, Chelsea and Manchester City were playing in the Carabao Cup final. They have like 50 cup tournaments uh, in addition to a league season in England or something like. I'm exaggerating, um, but uh, they were in extra time. They're in the second period of extra time, and the understanding that I have here is that Saudi. Uh, the understanding that I have under this is, is Richard is Saudi was being told by um, team physios that Keppa had a cramp to an extent that he shouldn't carry on when it goes to penalties and that you should get a fresh goalkeeper in there. Um, so he was getting ready to make a substitution to bring Caballero on for Keppa and Keppa was refusing, was just trying to gesture as if, no, I'm good. I want to stay. And ultimately, I guess what the falling action from this is that Sari interviewed afterward. He says, no problem with Kepa here. He was fine. Um, you know, the physios were telling me one thing. My player was telling me another thing. And uh, I went with my player and I, um, I, you know, you know, stuck with him. I think that, you know, just paraphrasing what he said in his interview after the match. And I think today Kepa, the, the goalkeeper, also released a statement pretty much to that effect and says that he completely has has completely respects his coach and was not being disrespectful it was over the because i guess he had had some cramping up that was happening this is the way i understand it richard so it's not that he was you know refusing to come out of the game it was that it was over the you know 
possible? Was he injured? Was he not? Physios are telling him one thing. Players saying, no, I'm good. Players saying, no, I'm good. I want to stay on. So Let me stop you right there. It's bullshit what it is. It's bullshit is what it is. Everyone knows Caballero is a is is a penalty stopper. That's a, that's like his 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 gift. He's really amazing at those at things. And we've seen it before when he's been at Man City. He's been brought in from penalty situations because he's that good. That's what was going on in this situation. And I I don't buy the whole cramp BS that's going on. Um, sorry, I wanted to have his his shot stopper specialist in there and. The the young kid uh, showed him up, and he needs to pay the consequences, in my opinion. But that's I, I understand where Sarge trying to you know make make it nice in there, but he's looking like he's the fool out there. What it is, and we all know what it is, and the truth what the truth is, and we, they can say what they want, but that's not the case. I you know I just you know if 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 they're coming out and publicly saying these things, you know I mean it's 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 one of those that I guess I'm willing to take it at face value. I get the. I get where you're coming from too, um, but if I've got if I've got uh, you know the coach saying one thing, the player saying the same thing, and it kind of it, it, you know it kind of meshes. I think that either they've squat, either they got in the dressing room and they squashed it, um, you know, and decided to do this, uh, or that's what it was all along. So, um, but you know, I. I'm I'm taking the falling action at face value and and just saying okay, but it it doesn't change my opinion of, you know, the situation with uh, Chelsea and the situation with Saudi. I, I, Saudi does need to get the hell out of there, um, you know, and 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 come back to Italy. It's not it's not that he doesn't fit in the Premier League. It's that he's got players that, um, and again, Saudi says that, uh, you know. The players followed to a T how he wanted the game to be played against Manchester City. So he, you know, he he still thinks he has the players' uh, support. He's welcome to say that all he wants. Um, and there's a little bit of truth to what he has to say. But and we were kind of drifting on this. But I just, you know, like I said, I'll. This is you know, most most things I won't take at face value. I'll look for something that's a bigger problem. On this one, I think I'm kind of okay with taking it at face value. But I, I also get where you're. Uh, you know, I also get your your viewpoint on it as well. So, and 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 would not have a problem if somebody, um, you know, was was going in that direction. So, I guess we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Only Keppa and Saudi know what's going on. So, um, it's just the way it is. So, but let's move on. Let's let's get back and talk in Serie A. Uh, Sunday started with uh, Sampdoria and Cagliari. Uh, Sampdoria back on track with a one nil win. Um. You know, Sampdoria in some indifferent form going in. It was Cagliari away. Something had to give, and uh, it was a Fabio Quagliarella penalty in the 66th minute. If you missed it, it was just a straightforward penalty that he scored. He didn't do anything tricky. Um, so the uh, Blue Karate get a win and get back on track. Uh, very, very necessary for uh, Giampaolo's men. Yeah, they they needed that win. Uh, Cagliari is never an easy opponent. They're more easier on the road uh, when you're at home, but uh, nonetheless, uh, the way that Sampdoria's been playing lately, they needed three points uh, desperately, and they got it. It was in the form of a penalty, but hey, they got it. They're not going to complain. Um, hopefully, they can get uh, build on this and and get some more some positive results because uh, they had been struggling for a bit. Indeed, and uh, a game that Sampdoria had to have in their pursuit of. Still trying to grab a European place. It's uh, again for me, they're a waveform. It has to get miles better um, if they expect to finish fifth, sixth, maybe even seventh um, 
for a uh, European place. Uh, the the uh, leaders and champions, Juventus, uh, traveled to the Dallara to take on Bologna. Bologna finding a little bit of a rebirth under Sinisa Mihailovic. Um, Mattia Padding in goal, uh, on, you know, and is going to possibly end up in the plays of the week for a double save, Richard, that uh, uh, kept this score 0 0. Yeah, he made a uh, ridiculous first. The, the first save he made was ridiculous. Uh, he, he stretched out as far as he could, uh, gets a hand on it, gets it off the post. The rebound goes out to uh, Bologna player. Bologna player shoots it right back in. He gets up and, and, and parries it away. So, uh, I, I almost didn't recognize him with his short hair, Mattia Perrin, but uh, great, two, great two stops uh, nonetheless. Uh, double save certainly is a, uh, a, a worthy of the uh, top five, no doubt. And it was Paulo Dybala who would come on as a substitute in the 59th minute and score eight minutes later for the only goal of the match for the Bianconeri uh, to win and uh, uh, keep their lead at the top of Serie A. Um, you know they were crap in this game and still won. I mean, is that an indictment on the? Is that an indictment on a team like Bologna and a team and and the bottom half teams of Serie A, or is that just resourceful Juve again? Uh, it's more of an indictment of the the teams in the bottom of the table. Um, Juventus looked like trash in this game. They had against Atleti as well, and um, all, I saw, all my Twitter feed I saw was Juventini complaining. And and for once they had they had good reason. The team didn't look good at all. Bologna had a lot of good chances in this game. In the first half they had a lot of opportunities. Uh, I mean, majority of the of the good best opportunities in the first half were from Bologna's side. And so the team was not playing well at all. And they found a way. Yeah, they were resourceful. They found a way. Got the ball. He got a goal. Uh, but that's not what we expect from Juventus. And um, they keep playing like this. This is why we think uh, Atleti is going to move on because. Uh, this isn't a, a team in form and in, that's indicative of going on uh, to doing great things. They, they look like they're in a little bit of a lull right now, and it's the wrong time of year to be doing that. Uh, but we'll see. There's still a couple weeks away that they can regain that form. But at the, at the moment, it was a poor, poor performance by them, and they need to they need to find a way to straighten straighten it out and get back to the basics and and do what uh, Juventini fans are expecting them to do, and that and that's play great football. Yeah, definitely a, a, agree with you there. So, uh, but nonetheless, Juve do get back on track, uh, get a, get the three points, and uh, continue to do what they're uh, doing in the league. Kievo and Genoa could have just had a gentleman's agreement and not play the match and each just take a point instead of subjecting everybody to what they did on the pitch. <laughs> uh, nil-nil draw. Uh, I'll say this, though. Mattia Bani, who I had kind of touted a little bit a few weeks ago, was uh, was pretty good in this game, Richard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Kievo didn't look too bad in this one at all. And Bonnie is, uh, ever since you said something, he's been playing a lot better. So uh, maybe he's a uh, a follower, urgent follower of the show here. So uh, he gave him a boost of confidence. Yeah, he, you know, we he just needed he he needed a tout on the set. I sat down to start uh, flashing some form. So. Um, so good for him. Uh, Sassuolo and Spall. Uh, this one ended in a one-one uh, draw. Um, Federico Peluso opening the scoring for the Nero Verdi to put him a, a goal ahead, but then it would be Spall on a penalty in the 68th minute. Andrea Patania making it 1-1. Yes, he's even fatter this week than he was last week as we're watching him continue to just eat his way um, into being the uh, largest player in Serie A history. 
And uh, Alfred Duncan, uh, double yellow, uh, sent off for the Nova Verde. So he's going to uh, miss the next match. Um, probably more important for Spall to get this point than Sassuolo and, you know, at this stage of the season, right? Oh, it certainly is. And Patania is now in double figures and goals. So um, they're finding ways to get results. And uh, Patania seems to be the guy who's uh, leading them at the moment. Beginning the season, it was Antonucci, and now it's uh, Patania. So. Uh, they're finding ways to score, and uh, if they can get both of them on the score sheet at once, that'll give them some uh, much-needed three points going down the coming down the uh, towards the end. But um, big points for them because they they don't want to get relegated. Uh, as hard as they play, they need the results. They need any points they can get at this point of the season. So uh, good for them. Good for them. Agreed. Agreed. Now uh, Napoli going on the road to take on Parma. Um, a little bit of a homecoming of sorts for Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was a manager at Parma before managing Juve and then Milan, and uh, you know where he uh, really hit the heights. So, um, but uh, it all started. It all started at Parma uh, for uh, for Carlo Ancelotti. Um, so uh, it was uh, Napoli ran riot in this game. Uh, really got back to their goal-scoring form after a couple of frustrating goalless draws against Fiorentina and Torino. They finally got to take something out on another team, uh, a Parma team that, uh, you know, as we've said, the wheels seem to be falling off a little bit with them. Piotr Zielinski in the 18th minute uh, was played in by Elsaid uh, Husai uh, to start the fun. In the 36th minute, Arkadiusz Milik with a clever uh, free-kick goal hitting under the wall that jumped uh, and... Uh, getting the uh, Partenope had two goals to nil. That's what it would be at halftime. Milik would get a brace in the 73rd minute, uh, but it is the fourth goal that we are touting as a goal of the week candidate out of Munas, finishing off a lovely piece of team play uh, to give Napoli the fourth in the 82nd minute and three points. And right now for Napoli, the, you know, we talk about going going to win the Europa League because it's a trophy and you need a trophy. But, I think it's also just keeping their distance from third and fourth at this point. They're not going to catch Juve, but staying comfortably in second is the priority for them at this point as far as the league is concerned. Yeah, they don't want to make it any harder on themselves. And they can, you know, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of the Europa League, they can focus on that. But at the moment, just you know, keep keep yourself distant from, from the rest of the pack and you know, try to stay as close to Juventus as possible. Um, they're doing what they need to do at the moment, but... Uh, yeah, they're uh, they're back to goal scoring ways, and uh, Milik's really having himself a quite a season. He's got up to fourteen goals now, or something. Yeah, yeah, he's having a he's having a solid season. Amazing when you're fit for an entire season, what it can do for you. So, yeah, um, you know, he's he's probably just off the pace being set by Piontek and Ronaldo, but uh, uh, you know, still still close to the top. So, um, and. Uh, you know, Unas getting on the score sheet again, also scored in the Europa League on Thursday. So he's starting to find a little bit of form and good for him to see uh, to see him get some playing time and uh, and getting among the goals. Uh, uh, and it was the uh, the combination of Unas from uh, Simone Verdi because it was because uh, Verdi, um, I think Verdi assisted him or the other way around in the Europa League, if I recall. Yeah, so both of these players are, are they're probably two of the happiest players that uh, Sarri's left the team because now they get ample opportunity to play and uh, Unas in particular because he was he was highly touted coming into the team and never really got that much opportunity last year and this year he's really uh, taking his chances very well. So uh, good for him. Lazio and Udinese were supposed to play on Monday. They were off. Uh, you know, Lazio has been off for the last couple of weeks anyway, so what's another game? Uh, but seriously... <laughs> 
Um, Lazio just uh, just postponed with the uh, Coppa Italia semifinal getting played on Tuesday. Uh, they'll reschedule this match with Udinese here down the road. So, so just nine games in Serie A, and um, you know gives us a table that you know nothing changed with the top four, uh, top five for that matter, and they're all kind of getting a little bit of separation from sixth, seventh, and eighth, uh, with 13 games to go, or in Lazio's case, 14 games to go. Um, Lazio, Torino, Atalanta, 38 points. Fiorentina, Sampdoria, 36 points. Let's focus on the three teams on 38, Richard. Who is best equipped uh, out of Lazio, Torino, and Atalanta? Who is best equipped to possibly make a late surge for top four? (sighs) Best equipped? Not not saying that they're going to get there, but who's... You know, yeah. out of, considering considering the three teams and how they're playing, who's who, who would you who would you who would you wager on? I mean, defense wins, right? And so you got to give Torino the advantage in that respect. But I like Atalanta's offense more so than I do Torino's defense, even though Torino's defense is really good. Uh, so I don't have to give Atalanta the slightest bit of advantage, but it's ever so slight because uh, I like what Torino's doing right now. If if Belotti was scoring, I would say for sure Torino, but. He's not, and they got to find other people to score, which they are at the moment. But um, it's not quite, you know, what, what Atalanta can provide. So I'm gonna give a slight advantage to Atalanta, and unfortunately for Lazio, I have them the third of the group. So I'll I'll go with you there. I'll I'll go with you there on uh, Lazio. I think it's kind of getting a little stale there. I mean, you look Torino's upcoming Serie A schedule: hosting Chievo at Frosinone, hosting Bologna. Uh, and then it gets fun. They're at Fiorentina hosting Sampdoria at Parma. So, um, and before they host Cagliari. So this is a stretch of games here. These next seven games for the Granata, they can they can get themselves on a nice little run here and accumulate some points. Eight if you throw in for five, six, seven. Yeah, eight if you throw in the trip to Genoa. Although they're playing a little better there under uh, Prandelli, um, but uh, they have the chance to accumulate some points here and separate themselves from the uh, Lazios and Atalantas of the world. Uh, Lazio have the Derby coming up this weekend. They have Inter that they have to travel to. Um, Atalanta have, they're hosting Fiorentina. They're at Samp, hosting Chievo at Parma, hosting Bologna at Inter. So they've got a good mix of, of games they're going to win and games they're going to have some challenges in. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm with you. I think just you, when you look at the combination of form, defending, schedule, uh, I think Torino might have the best shot out of those three teams. It's not too far-fetched to say. So, yeah. Especially if Pelotti can start scoring some goals, as we've been saying. So, um, cl- Looking at the bottom of the table, um, you know, you know, we talked about Empoli. Just defensively, they've all, the, the, the defending has just gone bye-bye with them. Um, Bologna are starting to show a spine and a toughness here under Mihailovic and, and maybe deserved a point against Juve uh, on Sunday. You know, is it just a matter of time? Where, are, are we saying now at this point it's a matter of time before Bologna overtakes Empoli uh, and, and gets out of this? Yeah, I think so. And whether it's Empoli or it's Udinese or it's Spal, I think Bologna are going to get out of this. Um, they're led by... Uh, someone who can get them out of it, and they have enough talent, as we've been saying. They got a, a solid goalkeeper, a solid team. Um, I think it's just a matter of time before they get out. The question is, who is going to replace them uh, once they do get out? And that's the, that's the tricky part. Yeah, for sure, um, for sure. All right, um, 
so that's the uh, that's the table uh, look. Uh, top five for goals of the week. I think we're going to, or for even or plays of the week, if you want to throw in the pairing double save. I think we're going to be in agreement on what our top five is, but I'll let you uh, throw yours out there first. Uh, I'd probably give uh, honorable mention to Perrine with his double save, uh, then probably Kessier with his uh, chip. Um, then I'd probably go um, Adam Unas, Mateus Vecino, Matteo Politano, and then Luis Maria with that great free kick. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you all the way on, on all of that. Um, you know, pet and double save gets honorable mention. Kessie, Kessie fifth, Unas fourth, uh, Vecino third, Politano second, Muriel first. I mean, and the, the top three goals all came from the same game. Uh, <laughs> so, so there you go. So those are our those are our top five. Uh, winner and loser from uh, match week twenty five. Winner and loser. Um, winner is Torino. Uh, they they beat Atalanta. Uh, when and many didn't weren't sure if that was a, a, something they could do, you know, Atalanta had been playing so well lately. They had they had the loss of Milan coming into this game, but um, Atalanta were still a, a potent offensive team, and they shut them down. I mean, they shut them down. Torino, uh, that's a solid victory by them. Uh, loser of the weekend, man, that's got to be. It's got to be. Oof. I'm gonna say Juventus. I was gonna go Parma, but I'm gonna say Juventus because um, after that lackluster performance against Atleti, many people want to see him come back and take some vengeance out on Bologna, and they just didn't do that at all. They they looked like they still had the Champions League hangover, uh, didn't know what to do, looked really poor uh, on the pitch, but in all aspects of the game. And luckily, they were saved by DiBala from being an embarrassing draw. So, um, yeah, Juventus are my losers of the week. The week, not just the weekend, the week. Okay. Uh, winner for me is uh, Samu Castileo. Uh, it, it just, it, it, I get it that it's Empoli, but in, in filling in for Suzo, and he needed a performance. Castileo needed a performance like this. I think the first half of the season was a rough start for him, in my opinion. Uh, this was a game where he really needed to prove that he could stand out, he could be among the performers for Milan, that he could play in Serie A, and he. He he ticked all of those boxes in this game. Uh, played Cassian nicely, and then uh, you know finished clever, finished well on the uh, the cross from Conti, uh, but had an impact on the game beyond that. So Samu Castellejo is going to be my winner. My loser is VAR. Um, just constantly tripped over itself in that Fiorentina Inter game, and like I said, it's 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 been a microcosm of how VAR has performed in Serie A this season. It's you know last year it was fine. Uh, for the most part, this year we're we're asking a lot of questions about it, and that's not good. Uh, and and we're seeing it, uh, you know, we're seeing it not do what it's supposed to do. Which, uh, you know, it's correct, clear, and obvious decisions. That's what it exists for, not for hey, I, you know, we're we're on the fence about this. We should look at it, kind of thing. Um, no, if it's a clear and obvious error, you need to call the referee and have them look at it, and let's be done with it. Let's not have these extra conferences or have fans sitting and waiting for, you know, what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so that's where I'll go. I'll go uh, Castellejo for the winner, VAR for the loser. I like that. All right. Yep. All right. So let's uh, wrap this bad boy up with a preview of Coppa Italia. All right. So on uh, Tuesday, Richard, it is going to be Lazio hosting Milan on Wednesday. Um, 
while the rest of the world is going to watch um, some game in Spain. Uh, Fiorentina against Atalanta could arguably arguably be a lot more fun. <laughs> so, um, you know, just uh, just putting that out there. So, but let's start Lazio Milan. Um, I think Milan are going to win on the road and get a couple of a, you know win two one. They're going to give one up. I mean, and I, I know defensively they've been very good, and and this sounds like a homer pick, but you tell me you tell me who Lazio has beaten that should that should make Milan worry considering the form that Milan are in. Exactly. There's not really not many not many teams they can talk about. And I like that. I mean, I, I think Lazio are good for a goal because Immobile always seems to turn up in these kind of situations. But I, I, I really like the way Milan is playing right now. And, and they're usually good for a couple goals a game at least. And you got to like Pia- the chances of Piantic scoring, if not Paqueta as well. Uh, he's really been turning up lately as well. So, yeah, 2-1 shot for Milan. I like that. Okay, so two one there. Um, Fiorentina and Atalanta. This boy, this could get fun. <laughs> so, um, do we see a goal fest on Wednesday? Oh man, um, I yeah, I think so. I think maybe something. You may see something like a three two scoreline or something. Uh, maybe Fiorentina get the slight advantage in that one, uh, being at home. But yeah, I can see some goals in this. Yeah, um, I think that uh, I'm going to go two-two uh, for the opening leg. I think Atalanta will grab it because I, I predicted Atalanta to knock off Fiorentina, and I, we, we predicted an Atalanta Milan final. So I'm going to give Atalanta something that favors them. Uh, I, you know, I think that this is going to be back and forth, and both teams are going to carve out a lot of chances. Um, but I think it's going to be. Uh, the Bergamasca to uh, come through and get something out of it that gives them a little bit of advantage going into the second leg. So I'll go two-two. I'll go a score draw there. So, um, so that was our preview, our very abbreviated preview of Coppa Italia. Did you give any thought to the uh, listener question? <laughs> um, if blank, if 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 blank was a movie title, if what the, would if, it? If the if the Wanda and Icardi story was a movie, it'd probably be Misery. <laughs> or inter inter fans but no i guess that you know what because i think the way that marotta has handled it the way the club has handled it has been spot on has been excellent so yeah it'd probably be more the acardi family misery that's a good one that's a good one did you see antonio Casano trying to he was actually he was giving good advice to wanda and they weren't taking she wasn't taking it i mean when everybody's talking about this if when Cassano is your sound of reason, something's wrong. Yeah, yeah. I saw Nima, Nima, Nima tweeted that. He said, something's wrong here when, when Antonio Cassano is the voice of reason. Exactly. So, oh, my goodness. That was cracking me up. Oh, my. Um, boy, so now I've got to come up with mine. Um, if Blank was a – if Blank's season was a movie title, what would it be called? Um uh, let's, uh, let's do one for – Let's do one for Napoli, or not Napoli. Let's do one for Juventus. Um, considering that the state they're in, because they can totally get out of this. Um, Paradise Lost was that a movie? Sure. <laughs> I'm going to look this up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a movie. It was a movie. So yeah, there you go. There you go. Paradise Lost. Uh, it was a uh, it was an epic poem. 
oh, this is turning into an epic. Juventus is turning into an epic poem anyway. So, um, oh no, that's probably not a good one. The Paradise Lost, the child murders at Robin Hood Hills. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Oh man. Uh, so, um. How about uh, if uh, VAR's season was a movie title, uh, it would be Clueless. There you go. Let's just let's rebound. <laughs> there you go. That's a good Yeah. Point. Paradise Lost is a poem. I apologize. Uh, that just shows you how versed I am in movies and, and entertainment. So, um, But anyway, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, before we uh, put a bow on this edition of SETI, I sit down. Happy birthday, uh uh, to each of our friends, actually, at uh, Milan Weekly Pod, uh, Steve Polillo and uh, Vinny Tavernese both had birthdays, I think, in the last week, didn't they? I think so, and uh, yeah, good for them. Happy birthday, guys. Good, good for them. <laughs> You're saying good for them like it's an achievement or something to have a birthday. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> to our age, any birthday is, is a success that year. I agree. Well, you know, there's some validity. There's some validity to that. So I just thought that was funny. Anyway, all right. Yeah, to, the, to Steve and Steve and Vinny, happy birthday, gentlemen. Uh, hope all is well. And uh, we will put a bow on this edition of Celia. Sit down before we inflict too much. Before we inflict any more damage uh, on ourselves or otherwise. Uh, Richard, uh, uh, anything to plug, or uh, just want to tell them where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at r underscore k h a r m a n, and when I'm not on uh, the Serie Sit Down YouTube page, you can find me on my own YouTube page making videos uh, behind the scenes of the podcast. So there. Yeah, um, I am at ftc underscore uh, twenty one uh, on Twitter. Um, you can find us at Serie Sit Down on Twitter uh, or Instagram. Um, if you uh, want to spread the word, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're, we're on iTunes and SoundCloud with our own channel. We can also be found on Stitcher and Spotify. Uh, so, uh, you know, do have your friends and your paisans look for us there. Um, but uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, uh, chat a little Calcio. Uh, and uh, anything uh, you want to hear about or anything you want us to cover on future podcasts, please go to us at Twitter or Instagram. Uh, with your ideas we'd uh, we'd love to hear them so uh, for Richard I'm Frank and as always make sure you continue to tell your paisans about us ciao